KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Reaction to Queen Elizabeth's passing. I know that her death brings great sadness, and I share that sense of loss with you all. I'm Jade Hindman. This is KPBS Midday Edition. A close look at conditions that led to a death inside an El Cajon nursing home. If the person is refusing to take their medication and you suspect they could become violent, you have an absolute duty to the other residents to discharge that patient to protect the rest of your patients. And we take you around town to this weekend's art scene. That's ahead on Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Today, British subjects across the globe awoke to a king, a first in 70 years. The death of Queen Elizabeth II, Britain's longest reigning monarch, marks a seismic shift for the country and passing of the crown to her son, King Charles III. He spoke publicly this morning for the first time since her death. In her life of service, we saw that abiding love of tradition, together with that fearless embrace of progress, which makes us great as nations. The affection, admiration, and respect she inspired became the hallmark of her reign. And as every member of my family can testify, she combined these qualities with warmth, humor, and an unerring ability always to see the best in people. I pay tribute to my mother's memory, and I honor her life of service. I know that her death brings great sadness to so many of you, and I share that sense of loss beyond measure with you all. For people in the UK, the Queen is omnipresent. Her face is on the money, stamps on the sides of buildings and in people's homes. California has its own connection to the Queen, along with hundreds of thousands of British expats, Prince Harry, Duke of Sussex, his wife Meghan Markle, Duchess of Sussex, and their two children now live in California. We wanted to hear reaction to the Queen's death from former Britons living right here, so we reached out to Craig Tolson, President of the House of England at Balboa Park's Hall of Nations. Craig, welcome to Midday Edition. Hi, thank you for having me. So how are British expats in San Diego reacting to the news of the Queen's death? Well, obviously, um, you know, upset by the news. She's been on the throne 70 years, so everybody's grown up with her as pretty much almost a part of our family as well. So it's going to take some getting used to. What kind of presence has Queen Elizabeth had in your own life? Always been there at the big occasions. You watch any of the gala concerts, the big sporting events when I was growing up back home, the Jubilee parties. Then obviously everybody's reaching out for the money and the stamps and her face is always there. So very hard to avoid. Queen Elizabeth was monarch for 70 years, beginning just after World War II. And for many people, 
she represented stability. Can you talk a bit about uh, what she means to regular Brits? I think to regular Brits, it was almost like having a member of the family around, you know, giving the speeches at Chris every Christmas day. It was always a big TV audience to watch that. Just being in the public eye a lot and for such a long time, 70 years, she basically came on the throne before the broadcast of TV. She was just everywhere. And then I think not only in Britain, or university like across the globe, we got a lot of visitors in the cottage from different nations. Always the, the royal display is always one of the most popular ones there. So probably go down in history as the most popular queen of all time. The queen died just days after appointing a new prime minister, Liz Truss, uh, to lead parliament. But the power of the monarchy is largely ceremonial. What role does the British monarch have in the modern day? These events have gone a long time. You get the annual Royal Gala events. People used to come and watch things like the Trooping of the Colour. There was the um, Jubilee Party just a few months ago. She was just a steadying power despite all the political change and things like that. So regardless of anybody's political views, whichever side of the fence she sat on, I I think she got a lot of respect. And Queen Elizabeth's eldest son is now known as King Charles III. What are your thoughts on the new monarch? It's somebody we're going to have to get used to. I know there's a lot of people have different opinions about him. You know, obviously, Diana was a popular figure, tragically lost her. So people have questioned his private life with his marriage, but only time will tell. Um, I think like with anybody new, you just got to give them the chance, the benefit of the doubt, and hopefully things will be okay and can just keep carrying on. Yeah, I mean, there's been some talk and suggestion that new King Charles, now 73, could or even should abdicate so that the younger Prince William can assume the throne. Do you think that the monarchy needs a younger face or do you think the change would still be largely ceremonial? It would still be ceremonial. You know, I understand, you know, a lot of people would like to see William be king. Part of it, he, him and his wife and his children do purvey the image of a, you know, a steady family, no internal squabbles, rather than somebody who's taking the throne after going through a messy divorce. I can understand people not wanting that and would prefer that, you know, somebody younger with a, a solid family base around them. You mentioned this earlier, but Americans and American media have long had a fascination with the British royal family. Why do you think that is? Despite how, you know, things started all those years ago, dissolving from British rule, I I still think there's been a a fascination with this tradition that goes back, people say hundreds of years, but when you look back thousands of years, it's just uh, this queen now, she was in power, should I say, just getting used to saying that myself, but been in power for 70 years and maybe like I think about 14 presidents have come and gone, but she's been there while there's been so much change in the world. I've been speaking with Craig Tolson, president of San Diego's House of England. Craig, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. The killing of a resident at an El Cajon nursing home raises questions about why the facility admitted a patient with a long history of severe psychiatric illness and allowed him to stay even though he had reportedly assaulted other residents. In the second part of a two-part series, KPBS reporter Amitha Sharma examines this case. And a warning, this story contains graphic descriptions that some audience members may find disturbing. 
The warning to Sally Renee Johnson Kamselman in mid-2021 could not have been more ominous. Her 90-year-old father was being treated at Sharp Grossmont Hospital when a staff social worker warned her against returning him to Avocado Post Acute Nursing Home in El Cajon. She said, you don't want to send him back there. It's a terrible place. The public record supports the social worker's perception of Avocado. More than 600 complaints have been filed against Avocado since 2019. And in April, federal regulators moved to decertify the 256-bed facility, citing its failure to keep residents free of abuse, neglect, and exploitation. Weeks later, they reversed their decision, saying the facility had returned to substantial compliance. But back in July 2021, Johnson Kamselman says she had no option other than to place her dad back at Avocado from Sharp Grossmont. She had just a few thousand dollars a month for his care and little time to find an alternative. Six weeks later, her father, Robert Bradley, was dead, allegedly murdered by his roommate, Bezalil Jefferson. Again, Johnson Kamselman. This beautiful man who pulled himself up by his boot springs during the Depression and made a life for himself. You want your dad to die peacefully. A caregiver found Bradley in his room at Avocado vomiting blood in the early hours of August 19, 2021, according to state investigators. The autopsy report states Bradley had abrasions and contusions on his neck and died from strangulation. The San Diego County medical examiner ruled Bradley's death a homicide. Johnson Kamselman saw her father in hospice before he died. His tongue was swollen and purple, and I saw scratch marks and gashes and abrasions. His whole neck was tremendously swollen. Jefferson admitted hitting Bradley before caregivers found him, according to El Cajon police records. San Diego County prosecutors charged Jefferson with Bradley's murder last fall. But Jefferson was deemed not mentally competent to stand trial and sent to a psychiatric facility in San Bernardino, according to court records. Johnson Kamselman and her siblings have filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Avocado. The lawsuit claims Jefferson suffers from severe chronic psychiatric illness and has been under multiple court-ordered conservatorships. The lawsuit also alleges that Avocado knew Jefferson, had previously attacked other residents, and refused to take his medication. Scott Fikes, a lawyer for Bradley's family, said an Avocado nurse's comments to El Cajon police are telling. She told the police that they were going to need their help removing Mr. Jefferson from the facility, and that she was concerned if they did it without police help, that he would whip their ass. Avocado, the California Department of Public Health, and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services all refused to comment on Bradley's death. Lawyer Ernie Tosh is an expert on federal rules governing nursing homes. He says the facilities can admit mentally ill patients, but it can be fraught. Well, if the person is refusing to take their medication and you suspect they could become violent in doing so, you have an absolute duty to the other residents to discharge that patient to protect the rest of your patients. Johnson Kamselman says she's still haunted by how her father looked in his final hours. Part of me was going, oh my God, what happened? Oh my God, this is like a war victim. Oh my God, this is someone that's gone through 
hell and I wasn't there to protect him. That was the thing that bothered me the most. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. For our weekend arts preview, we have lots of visual art to tell you about, along with some music and theater to round things out. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, welcome. Hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's just dig right into the visual art, starting with the many exhibitions opening at Bread and Salt Gallery in Logan Heights. Who and what's on view? Right, so this is Barrio Art Crawl, and every month on the second Saturday, the galleries that make up the Bread and Salt Complex, they kind of pull out all the stops for for this. Much of the action for Barrio Art Crawl is on Logan Avenue, but if you do head a few blocks over to Bread and Salt, you'll find lots of great art. At the main gallery is a solo exhibition from Yasmin Kassim. It's called Middle. And she identifies as a queer Muslim Egyptian American artist, and her art is intertwined with that, with that lived experience. And she uses a lot of layers of abstraction alongside traditional Arab and Islamic narratives and imagery. And this exhibition is all new works. Many of them are textiles. And that one is on view through October 23rd. And what about some of the other galleries inside Bread and Salt? Yeah, so at Best Practice, which is tucked away in the back corner at Bread and Salt, they'll have a new exhibition from a Los Angeles artist, Keaton Macon. And this one, he's painted these true-to-size replicas of his personal record collection. And I love the way this deals with a sort of nostalgia, but it also plays into what it means to have records, which is this kind of derivative of a master copy of someone's art. And the record itself is fragile, it's susceptible to scratches, or ruining or wearing out, but it's also just really enduring as well. So that one will be on view through October 15th. And at the Athenaeum Art Center, that's the Athenaeum satellite location at Bread and Salt, they're opening a group exhibition of works on paper and also artist books. It's called Paper, Print, and Bind, and there are books from 17 artists and then works of art from seven artists, each of whom has worked or collaborated with the Athenaeum in the past. Jean Lowe is one of those artists, and she works with paper and cardboard and paper mache a lot. She builds these incredibly detailed replicas and scenes. And Bhavna Mehta is another artist, and she is known for her really remarkable paper cut works. That's all on view until the 22nd. And the Athenaeum does have have more limited gallery hours at Bread and Salt during the week, so it's a good bet to swing by on Saturday night. The joint opening reception for all of these things is this Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m., and it's all free. Very nice. And the art isn't just limited to Barrio Logan. You have some other suggestions, including up in Carlsbad. What's on view there? So this is the City of Carlsbad's public art gallery. It's Canon Art Gallery, and they are opening a new group exhibition called The Chair. And it's all chairs. (laughs) Some of these chairs, they're pretty utilitarian, like you could actually sit in them. And others are more artistic or delicate and decorative. 
But it's all this homage to what's actually kind of a strange human construct, this object that makes us partway at rest and partly alert. So there's 18 artists in the show, including some names that are recognizable for making really interesting work, like Wendy Mariyama, Matthew Hebert, James Watts, and Adam John Manley. And that all opens on Saturday with a reception from 5 to 7, and then it'll be on view through December 3rd. And the Institute of Contemporary Art, San Diego. They're kicking off a new season with a reception at their North Campus in Encinitas. Tell us about the new resident artist, Ya Owosu. So he is a Ghana-born artist, and he will be working in residence for the next month. And the resultant exhibition will be up until November 20th. There's a big celebration on Friday at 6 p.m. for that. And there will be plenty of work on view right now. But throughout the month, you'll also have a chance to stop by and watch Ousu work and interact with him. And he'll be on site Sunday of this weekend from 3 to 5. And after that, every Saturday and Sunday afternoon for the rest of September. And one of the things he's doing with this exhibition, it's called A Penny for What It's Worth. He's taking pennies and he's transforming them through oxidation. And then he's creating these works of art out of dozens and dozens of pennies. And the event on Friday evening is free and it will have music and food and drinks as well. In the theater, the Old Globe opens a new Broadway-bound production called Come Fall in Love, the DDLJ musical. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so this is an adaptation of a hugely popular 1995 Hindi language film. It was a musical rom-com, and it's known affectionately by its initials, DDLJ. It's finally been adapted for the stage. That's by lyricist Nell Benjamin, who also adapted Mean Girls and Legally Blonde. And it has new music from Bishal Dadlani and Shekhar Ravjani. And there'll also be some musical elements from the original film. And the film's writer and director is also the director of this production at the Old Globe. It's a love story, and it follows two young people um, falling in love overseas, but one of them is facing an arranged marriage in India. There are some differences and modernizations, like the play is set in the United States instead of in London, and the male lead is now a white American man. And it's on stage through October 16th, but after that, it is heading to Broadway. And finally, how about some music? The Hausman Quartet performs on Sunday. Tell us about this. So this is part of their long-running Haydn Voyages series where they chip away at Haydn's string quartet compositions. And they also contrast those works with some of Haydn's contemporaries as well as modern composers. And they do this all on the deck of the Berkeley ship at the Maritime Museum. So this is Sunday afternoon at 2.30, and they're playing four works. There's quartets by Haydn and Beethoven, plus there's a 1989 piece by John Cage, and this one, which is a 2016 work by Pulitzer Prize winner Caroline Shaw. It's called Blueprint, and I recently saw Caroline Shaw's special takeover appearance. This was at the La Jolla Music Society Summerfest, and she's incredible. She's making such extraordinary work in chamber music right now. That's Blueprint by composer Caroline Shaw. The Hausman Quartet will perform that piece at the Maritime Museum on Sunday. For details on these and more events, or to sign up for Julia's weekly KPBS Arts newsletter, go to kpbs.org arts. 
I've been speaking with KPBS arts producer and editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thanks. Thank you, Jade. Have a good weekend.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.